What's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you guys and gals out to part 10 of my Purpose of Singleness course, where we're going to be talking about bitterness and singleness. And I can't wait to get into our notes. We have a lot of points to cover. And so if you're joining me live, come on in. As you come on in, hit that like button. If you're watching later, come on in. Uh, uh, let me know where you're watching from. Um, let me know um, what you've getting, gotten from the course so far. And um, for those who are their very first time, my name is Joshua Ezzy, also known as Coach Josh. And my goal is to help you make sense of your life and to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. And if you feel like the content that I give and provide on this channel will benefit you substantially as you walk with God, make sure you subscribe, all that good stuff. But for those who's been watching and joining me for a long time, whether it's been two months, two weeks, two days, uh, 10 years, seven years, I want to say thank you all so much for your support. Um, I'm, I'm glad that God is using this material, whether you're listening on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or YouTube. I want to say thank you all so much. Um, but we have a lot of points to cover. So I'm going to give you all some time to come into the live feed. I know uh, a lot of people out there are getting ready, um, potentially what may be happening. Um, so make sure y'all stay sensitive to the spirit of God and, and guided by him and uh, and be wise and, and the foods and all that good stuff like that. So um, so I can, I can understand a lot of people going through a lot of troubling times right now, maybe some fear, um, but uh, but God has built us for this, and um, and I'm here to help you any way I can as far as questions or all that good stuff. But we'll be doing a Q and A later on. Um, but let me see who's all here: Albuquerque, New York, New Mexico, in the building. What's going on, George Falcon, uh, Jay Sims? Good evening. Get right into my points because, like I said, I have a lot of points to cover, and we're going to be talking about bitterness and singleness, how to go from bitter. To better coach, thank you so much for doing this. You're so welcome. Thank you for watching from New York. Estella, what's going on? But let's get right into it. We're two minutes in. But the main thought for tonight's session is hurt people, hurt people, healthy people, heal people. My two cents, what's going on? Ella with Elsa, what's going on? What's up, Nick Antoine? How to surrender fully to God? We'll get to we'll get to some we'll get to some uh, questions a little bit later if I have time for sure. Uh, but we're gonna get right into it. The main thought for tonight's session is hurt people, hurt people. Healthy people help people. Our main talking points for tonight's session is what is bitterness, what causes bitterness, signs you're bitter, and how to go from bitter to better. And a, a few scriptures that we may get to today is Ephesians 4.26, Ephesians 4.31-32, through 32, uh, 1 Corinthians 13.4-7, Mark 11.25, Hebrews 12.14-15. and 15. For those who's like, I want to get this worksheet, I want to be a little bit more engaged, a bit more involved, you can do so now at lifework.teachable.com, where you're able to download this entire um, worksheet and be able to uh, uh, get the uh, questions and activities that go with it. And so where's my cell phone at? All right, here we go. So you can also do that at lifework.teachable.com and uh, be able to get more resources. But let's get right into um, our first few points. We're going to be first talking about the definition of bitterness or what is bitterness. The definition of bitterness is this, an anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly, resentment. Resentment definition is a deep, painful emotion from a wrongdoing, a sense of injustice or wrongdoing. I love that, a sense. Definition of bitterness is anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. And resentment by definition is deep, painful emotions from a wrongdoing, a sense of injustice or wrongdoing. 
basically look at that definition. Many people are, are allowing themselves to be too bitter to be blessed. And what I mean by blessed, we're not talking about grace, love, and forgiveness that come from God. We're talking about promotional blessings, um, stewardship blessed, blessing that requires level of stewardship. And a lot of people have a have an undercurrent of bitterness residing up under them, hindering them from being who they need to be, hindering them from being effective, hindering them from actually being in position to have what's best for them. And, and my goal this evening is to have you really think about um, how you sense situations, how you sense seasons, how you sense uh, a specific individual's uh, um, um, hurts towards you and be able to process beyond the bitterness. But let's get right into that, that second part of that definition, which is resentment. It says deep, painful emotions from a wrongdoing, a sense of injustice or wrongdoing. Um, yes, you could, you could, this video will be available for you to share afterwards. It'll repost. It'll actually be in downloadable form and audio on SoundCloud and available to listen anywhere that you podcast. But a sense of wrongdoing of injustice uh, or wrongdoing. Um, Many of us, we are not really uh, mature enough to sense the deeper meaning of a season, the deeper uh, uh, movements and the subtle uh, movements that God could be doing. And what happens to most of us is that we sense that we have been treated unfairly, but it could have been God's grace to get that person out of your life. That rejection could, is, is actually God's protection, that, that that mistreatment is actually God's treating you uh, or, or uh, uh, transitioning you um, from a season that could be extra, even more damaging. But a lot of us, yes, we have been treated unfairly. Yes, we live in a fallen world with fallen people. But if your foundation is God, you won't be easily moved. If your foundation is God, you won't have your emotions uh, flood beyond their proper embankments. But let's get to the problem and we'll discuss a little bit more because I have a lot of points that I want to cover. Um, it says here uh, that I have here that many singles are not ready to receive what they desire from God due to them not releasing their resentments to God. Many singles are not ready to receive from God or receive what they desire from God due to them not releasing their resentments to God. Many are asking for better, but, but with bitter hearts. Their singleness is full of toxicity and not treasure. That's good. Many singles are not ready to receive what they desire from God. What is it that you desire from God? I guarantee that God is not going to bless you with anything that requires stewardship, that requires management, that requires growth. If he knows that you have an undercurrent of bitterness in your heart, an undercurrent of resentment, deep emotions and unforgiveness resulted from what somebody has done for you. Many singles are not ready to receive what they desire from God due to them not releasing their resentments to God. You are not emotionally, physically, mentally, or spiritually able to carry cares. That's why God said, cast them onto him. God did not create our emotions, our soulish realm, to carry things that was created within this fallen structure. You have to understand that everything in this fallen system is overbur will overburden a person, uh, 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 the natural human construct from the body to the mind and emotion. That's why people are breaking down due to depression. People are breaking down due to obsessions. They People are breaking down because their souls are trying to carry what God was supposed to compensate for. And so when you are not focused on God and clear on, on, on releasing your resentments to him, then your resentments will have you reaching for things that's overly, uh, that's too heavy for you to bear. It says here that many are asking for <clears throat> that many are asking for better, but with bitter hearts. 
Could it be that you're asking for a better life? I want to say when I'm, I want to make sure I make it distinctively clear. I'm not talking about uh, God's grace, mercy, love. Uh, he's he's his his understanding, his his providential uh, uh, awareness is greater. Than that, we're talking about uh, marriage. We're talking about money. We're talking about um, entrepreneurship. We're talking about business. We're talking about whatever stage of life that that requires maturity and stewardship, not the sustainment of one's sanctification. But a lot of people are asking God, "I God, I want, I want better. I want a husband. I want a wife. I want this job. I want this career. I want this." But God is saying, "Man, how can how can I really give you that when the toxicity in your heart will break the components of this blessing down?" Let's keep going. Their, their singleness is full of toxicity and not treasure. Toxicity and not treasure. Let's keep going. Um, um, let's see. Let me look at some scriptures here. Uh, let's look at Ephesians 4.26. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. That's very important. See, God is a realist. God understands that you will be upset. You will be angered. You will be emotionally uh, uh, distraught by the actions of others. But what he is saying to you is that if you allow too many suns to go up and come down before you deal with that anger, then you will be full of toxic emotions that will corrode your body full of diseases, keeping you from being effective and focused on the bigger picture. What has caused you to be bitter? Who hurt you so deeply? Uh, is it an ex? Is it your mom? Is it your dad? Is it a friend? What rejection has caused the, the, the doors, the floodgates of your life to release such toxic emotions of anger? How many days, weeks, months have you allowed to go by without dealing with the deep, real reason of why you are who you are? The Bible says, do not let the anger go down. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not let it go down on your anger. Deal with it. Deal with it. You got to address that anger or that thing will eat you alive. It's crazy how many people are upset of what somebody did in 95, 05, 2015, and it's still affecting them to this day. Let's keep going because I have a lot that I want to come uh, cover. It's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to act on that anger. You have, we have to be as a people uh, 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 mature enough and wise enough to be able to deal with the rise of anger. You see, anger is different than um, um, lust. Anger is different than greed. Anger is, I have been deeply offended, but we have to be mature enough to deal with that offense. Let's keep going. Next point. Bitterness is a matured hurt. Bitterness is a matured hurt. Bitterness is just just doesn't come overnight. It is it is a hurt that has overgrown. It's a hurt that has matured. Let's keep going. I love this text. It says Ephesians 4, 31 to 32 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgave you. That's very important for us to understand. It is our responsibility. <clears throat> it says, let all bitterness, not some. Some of us, we we own uh, um, or we feel validated on certain bitterness that we have. That I'm not letting go of what my dad did to me. I'm not letting go of what my mom did to me. And then we have this unforgiveness and there's resentment running rampant in our hearts, 
But God is saying in Ephesians, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, ill intent. Verse 32 says, be kind to one another. That's why the Bible talks about that kindness heaps a coal of fire on the person's head, potentially or eventually, potentially due to the hardness of a person's heart, renews their mind and also helps them. But if you're blind to being kind, then you won't be able to release um, 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 what could be a, a, a stronghold in another person's heart. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Tenderhearted means that I'm able to see beyond the hurt. Like Jesus did on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Tenderheartedness is very important. Now, when someone offends me, I merely think three moves of, of beyond that person's action towards me. I think about their mannerism. I think about their past uh, patterns. I think about what kind of makeup are they? What kind of person are they? And I can potentially, I can actually spot on to a degree, predict why that person offended me or why that person was used. I can think about where I met in my walk with God. If I'm about to minister, I used to get offended when people, I've always get um, are bothered by people around moments when I'm about to preach or when I'm about to minister, but my tender hardness says that person's allowed allowed a demon to get in them to try to affect me and just and warp my focus to keep me being being effective. So I think God get show me the real reason why this person is 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 the way they are or why am, is this person offending me? Um, and because the Bible clearly says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. If you're wrestling in your heart against a person and the person is the prominent person in your mind that you are upset with, you have already lost the battle because the Bible says we're not supposed to wrestle with, wrestle with flesh and blood, but the principalities and the powers. You've seen the movie um, The Matrix, when they try to come after Neo, the agents jumped into the guy that was in the tractor trailer, jumped in this person trying to get close. That's what demons and demonic spirits do. They try to utilize as many people that's close to you to get you in your emotions. That's why you can't get easily so easily offended because demons know that I'm going to use the people closest to you. That's why I always um, stifle the work of the enemy. When it comes to my marriage, I know for a fact, okay, he's not gonna he's not gonna attack me face to face. He's gonna try to frustrate my wife, he's gonna try to bother my mom, he's gonna try to bother people that knows not even a, a animosity or or argument or arguments, but to get me not to focus on the warfare. That's why I plead the blood, that's why I'm proactive with my warfare, sealing off my surroundings so that my surroundings won't be used to set me off or distract me. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one. And forgiveness is an opportunity for you to go forward. Like God, like I always say, Father, forgive. I forgive them because honestly, they know who I was. That's why it's important to know who you are. When you know who you are and you know your assignment, you can be able to recognize the, the predictive uh, uh, traits and the predictive attacks of the enemy. And you'll be able to spot how he'll use this person, that person against you because of what, where you at, uh, where you are in your purpose, how, how great the, uh, the time of God was earlier. So you'll be able to predict the, 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 the warfare ahead of time. And is it'll be easier to forgive. And then you'll be the mature adult to be able to distance yourself from individuals. If you need to, you see what I'm saying? Let's keep going. As God and Christ forgave you. See, the Bible is clear. The Bible is very clear. He says, I will not, God said, I will not forgive you if you have not forgiven your brother. And, and we have to take that very seriously because God is saying, 
you think that your level of unforgiveness is greater than my level of forgiveness? And it, that's arrogance. That's pride. People feel like I, I don't care what God has done to me. I'm going to continue to harbor this against my brother. And God is like, that is that is a liability to the purpose that I placed in you, that you're going to really ha have the audacity to sit and wallow up in unforgiveness and, and be on the in the riverboat in, in resentment as if my forgiveness is not able to release you and them to set you up for success. And there's a lot of singles right now, and they're like, you know what? I'm holding on to this business, but you mad at God at the same time because God won't bless you with a husband. God won't bless you with a wife. God won't bless you with that promotion. God is not, not endorsing your season right now because in your heart, you're harboring all of this resentment as if God's forgiveness through Christ isn't sufficient enough to release you and to help you. This is spot on, but being transparent, there's a level of doubt in that question whether this is the case of what I'm going through or not. Just keep listening. We're working. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. Let's keep going. I understand it is difficult to forgive, but if you but if you compare your life vertically versus horizontally, freedom is inevitable. Uh, when I compare myself to a holy God, and I'm in my word, not understanding what the different components of salvation and, and the purpose of it and, and understanding why unforgiveness is so toxic and why bitterness breaks and dries up the bones, then it's easy to forgive because I'm purpose-minded, I'm heaven-minded. But if you always think down here, you won't be able to be successful down here. But if you purpose-minded, heaven-minded, God-minded, man, forgiveness becomes easier over time because you don't got too much time to dwell on what another person did to you. Because if people are willing and intentionally endeavoring to hurt you, then who's the, who's the most hurt? We, we allow people who hurt us to make us feel extremely hurt, but we forget that I'm not going to allow this hurt to bother me because if you are intentionally trying to hurt me, you are at a low level. You need, you need help. So why am I going to go down to your level to make you feel validated or feel power over me? One thing I refuse is to let anyone or anything have power over me. The only one, the only influential power over my life is God himself. And I refuse to, to, to lower myself at the level of someone else's immaturity, another person's insecurity, and their and their intrigueness to try to control me with their actions. I refuse. That's why God said, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Because if you do not and be blinded from being kind, then you will give that person and that demon in them control over you, having you jumping like a puppet. Every time you trigger, all of a sudden now you're in your emotions and you're not able to be effective for God. Now, what causes bitterness? What causes bitterness? Bitterness is the result of being bit. Bitterness is the result of being bit. Being bit physically, being bit emotionally, and being bit em uh, mentally. Bitterness is the result of being bit first, being bit, being bit uh, uh, or abused or mistreated physically, mentally or emotionally. The enemy is using, is trying to use different individuals and things in this world system to cause bites, to bite at you, to bite at your joy, to bite at your peace, to bite at your, your focus. And so what he does is he loves to surround this system designed by and supported by demons and individuals, try to bite at 
at, the, at God's character, to bite at your perspective of life, to bite at you at you emotionally, to to constantly. How many of us still have that parasitic? A parasite in our hearts emotionally, that thought, that 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 demonic thought, uh, or that demonic stronghold of what your dad did to you, what your ex boyfriend did to you, ex girlfriend did to you, your mama, whomever, still biting at you, draining you of your spiritual immunity, physical immunity, emotionally mental immunity, keeping you from being constantly biting at you. Biting at the love of God, biting at your perspective of God, biting at you emotionally. And all of a sudden, as the more they bite into the deep corridors of your soul, that resentment floods into the area of your life and tries to harden itself, keeping you from being helpful. It happens all the time, my friends. Bitterness is the result of being bit, being bit or abused or mistreated physically, mentally, and emotionally. He knows how can I get your mind so focused on what happened that releases toxic emotions that then bursts into developing diseases in your body. And that's how he can keep you from being effective for God. That's why you got to release that bitterness. That's why you got to look at the situation. That I'm going to get better from this, not more bitter from this. And you got to look at your situation and say, I refuse to let this situation drown me in the river of bitterness. I'm going to continue to go forward because there I got too much to focus on and to produce than to be subduced uh, uh, down to a level where I, God never designed me to be. Next point, all bitterness starts off as a hurt. A hurt. Let's keep going. The road to bitterness is this, real quickly. One, two, three, four, five. The road to bitterness starts off with a lack of honor to God, for God. And what I mean by that is, kind of hear me as I go in and out of the lane on, the, on this highway. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. So the enemy's ultimate objective is to cause subconscious a uh, uh, subconscious or conscious uh, lack of respect towards God or a lack of interest. A lack of interest in God is disrespect towards God. A lack of discipline to a degree is disrespect towards God. And what I mean by disrespect is that I'm allowing this distraction, this, this bite to distract me from being disciplined towards my destiny. So all, all bitterness begins with the lack of honor or a desire to be honorable, a desire to hold things that God holds in honor and honor. When we lack honor for God, we lose hope in God. Um, many people don't have a significant, in their eyes, a lack of honor for God. They just think, oh, okay, I'm going to do me. Doing you is lacking God's lacking honor in God's position. And so when we lack honor or reverence for God, we lack wisdom in God. And if we lack wisdom and honor in God, we lose hope in God. And the enemy does not want your hope to be in God. He wants you to go after your own uh, 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 idleness, idolatry, your own godness to a degree that I want to be the God of my life instead of letting God be a God in my life. So the role of bitterness begins with lack of honor for God, because if you don't honor God or reverence God, you lack wisdom in God. And if you lack wisdom in God, then you're, you're going you're gonna to welcome hurt. See, it's important for us to be always endeavoring to be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. 
so that we can avoid bites, so that we'll know how to treat when, treat bites, that when we're going through persecution and, and humiliation and, and rejection, that we deal with the bite immediately, utilizing the balm of the Holy Spirit to implement healing versus letting that bite become inflamed, allowing that bite to be, uh, 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 what's the word? Um, infected. You see what I'm saying? But but what we do, we allow these things to bite or because of our lack of honor in God, and our lack of hope in God, we welcome more hurt into our lives. How many of us, our biggest hurts begin when we know deep down inside the Holy Spirit said, do not go there. Do not do this. Leave that joker alone. Leave that Jezebel alone. But in our own arrogance, we enter, we entertain it. And now if we would have just obeyed God and honored God in our lives and honored who he was and kept our hope in him, we would have known we wouldn't have been bit by that situation and now burdened with bitterness. You see what I'm saying? You see how a lack of honor, a lack of hope in God brings in more hurt? Let's keep going. A lack of honor for God leads to a loss of hope in God. A loss of hope in God leads to us looking for another source for help. Many people are like, okay, I, I, this man means so much to me. This woman means so much to me. I'm not going to honor what God says about my life. I'm not going to honor what God says about my singleness. I'm not going to honor what God says about my time. I'm not going to honor what God says about my money. I'm not going to honor what God says about my obedience. And I'm going to put my hope in this new help, not knowing that help is actually sent there to hurt. That's right. We always think we know better. We know nothing. The day you are you, the day you recognize you know nothing, you will be able to know something. That's when knowledge really begins. That's when growth really begins. That's why, yes, I, I, I'm blessed with wisdom. And yes, God has graced me with, with a great gift of wisdom, but I know nothing. I'm the first one to let you know. I know nothing. I'm I'm always endeavoring to learn. I'm always endeavoring to grow. So that lack of honor for God leads to a loss of hope in God, which then leads to looking for another source for help. When you start looking for another source for help, then you're let go of or left with the hurt, disappointed by the limited help. Any person or thing you put your hope in is limited. Why put our hope and trust in someone or something that's limited? Money is limited. Uh, a, a, a man is limited. A woman is limited. Uh, um, a job, a career, entrepreneurial endeavors are limited. So when you put your hope out of dishonor in something that you think will help you, you will inevitably be disappointed by that limited help. And then you will be let go of or left with a hurt. Because that thing disappointed you. And some of us, that's why I get back to the definition, a sense of injustice or wrongdoing. Sensitivity to the Holy Spirit leads to proper sense. So some of us, we are bitter, we bitter for no reason. That person that left you, left you because you was toxic. That person uh, uh, walked away from you after giving you chance after chance after chance. And you sensed that as that was their fault. But you're blinded to see that it was you that caused that 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 quote unquote mistreatment, that quote unquote wrongdoing. And that person was doing what was best for them. So some people are let go or left with a hurt because that person realized you're trying to make a God out of me. That's what happens in a lot of relationships. People be like, you know what? They, they have a false ide ideology or a false um, um, perspective of what a husband brings to the table or what a wife brings to the table. And so for decades and for years, they develop this false um, idea 
of what marriage is, a false idea of what a husband or a wife brings to the table, a false idea of what kids are. And then when you come into a situation with false ideologies and unrealistic expectations, then, then you can't help but be disappointed over and over again. And now you got resentment and bitterness from someone where it was actually your fault for putting too much on them for them to bear. And now you disappointed and, and living and having resentment when that man told you who he really was, when that woman told you who she really was, when God was trying to let you know what this really was. And now you got resentment towards God, but you ain't open your Bible at all. You got resentment towards God, mad at God, but you ain't minding the word, the pages of the Bible to find out what the will of God is. And you mad at this man, mad at this woman, full of resentment over someone that didn't even really do nothing to you. But because you have a false sense of mistreatment, a false sense of wrongdoing, then you build an unnecessary resentment business. I see it in the school system all the time. It was a teacher's fault. That's the reason why you flipped desk. That's why you threw the chair. And now you mad at the teacher for putting you with me because of what you did. Because a lot of people don't like to be corrected. They don't like to be held accountable. And so when someone tries to hold you accountable and when someone tries to do right by you, you look at that as an attack. When that was actually a, a snack, a snack to help you get some nourishment and get to the next place. So some people have bitterness and resentment in their heart for somebody's right doing towards them. That's why people don't want to be around people who hold them accountable, who uh, who who corrects them in love because they feel like they're 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 hurting them. But now you got unnecessary resentment and bitterness towards a person that actually was trying to love you. So then you let you then you let go of or left with the hurt, disappointed by limited help. Let's keep going. Last but not least, the road to business, you left heated and with the inevitable hold. After you done dishonored God, did not honor what God said, didn't even care about how to honor God, and you just want to live your own life. Then you lose hope in God and putting things in your own hands. Then you start looking for another source of help, but that help is a limited help. And then when that help has has mixed its breaking point, its limitations, all of a sudden now you're left. Now you're left heated and with the stronghold. Now you're hot. Now you're mad. Now you're now you offending people who love you because the devil loves offense because offense will build a fence around you, keeping the right people away from you. Because listen, you dealing with humans. Ain't nobody God, yo. <laughs> ain't nobody going to sit there and deal with your toxicity. Ain't nobody going to want to be around you. There ain't that much love for a person that wants to be around your toxic behavior. And that's why people, you like, why am I left alone? No, people are trying to love you from a distance because being too close to you is affecting their love walk. It's affecting their sanity. And so we got to get to a place where we really look around us and be like, is it me? Is it my bitterness that has people selling away from my life? Because we like to do the blame game instead of looking at our life to see, okay, am I the one in, in fault? And now uh, you got these fences around you that's 40 foot tall because nobody wants to be around you because being around you offends them and it affects their ability to walk in offense and walk in the offense of their life and score in their own life. I don't got time to be defensive and walking on eggs around you when I got to go get buckets for my own life. You left heated, you left hot, you left bothered, <clears throat> and left with an inevitable hold, a stronghold, a soul tie. Now you can't even go beyond what that abuse was. You can't even go beyond that place of hurt in your past. Let's keep going. The enemy wants... <clears throat> 
significant hurts to occur. So severe emotional swelling can occur. Hear me closely. The enemy wants significant hurts to occur so, so that severe emotional swelling occur. He wants people to falsely label people and themselves with their hurts in their lives, leading them to unforgiveness and out of heaven. He wants us to be strongly held back from what God has for us. The enemy wants significant hurts to occur so that severe emotional swelling can occur. Now, what does that mean? He is not going to attack you in a way that ain't going to bother you. Demons know what bother you. Demons are students of your life. They study you. They know that I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to bother to use him against her because she's too strong against that. I'm going to use the specific, this specific person to cause this significant hurt, to cause this severe, significant swelling of emotion, giving a false label on this person, this situation and, and, and themselves, causing them not to forgive. Listen, could it be that God calls that breakup, that God calls that, that uh, uh, separation? for you to actually get into preparation for your destination. You see what I'm saying? But when you get so caught up on flesh flesh and blood and wrestling with flesh and blood, you will lose sight that why is it always this person being used against me? And then when you look at the callousness on their eyes and the glassiness on their eyes and you realize that they're not there, that it's actually a demon using them, then you'll step back and be like, I hate to think to let this demon use this specific person to cause this river of emotion to distract me. When you realize that you're not wrestling against people, but demons in people, then you utilize your dominion over that demon that's been given you to by Christ to dominate. And then you will begin to use your kindness to reach that person. See, demons can't, demons don't last long in certain environments. Demons can't last long in the environments of love, in the environments of peace, in the environments of kindness. They can't last long. They can't stand it. They can't stomach it. They can't, they can't stay in it. And so if you see what's really going on, then you will continuously walk in, in alkaline environments, alkaline instead of acidic uh, emotions, you'll walk in alkaline levels of emotion, pure emotion that could bring that person out of their acidic state and that demon leaves them or, or that person walk away because that demon's like, we can't do much damage here because this person has been healed. This person's up on game. You see what I'm saying? God is good. I'm glad he's dropping gems through me. The enemy wants significant hurts to occur so that severe emotional swelling can occur. He wants people to falsely label others themselves in a situation with the hurts in their lives. They don't have forgiveness. Uh, what that means is now you will label this person a hater when that person was really a helper. You will start labeling yourself as depressed when you're not that bad. You'll start labeling things and now you have what you say and then you can't go the right way. You see what I'm saying? And so that's why the Bible says put on the whole armor of God. So in that day of testing, you will be able to stand. Leading to unforgiveness out of heaven. He wants unforgiveness in the heart of people because that's pride. Pride and um, um, arrogance is what keeps people out of heaven. Pride. I don't want God. I don't want God's forgiveness. I want to stay in this place of pity 
And in this, in this power struggle in my heart, he wants us to be strongly held back from what God has for us. And the number one way to hold us back from what God wants us is unforgiveness. He, the number one thing he uses to completely, the ultimate emotion is unforgiveness because unforgiveness is rooted in pride. Humble people forgive quickly because of how, of how heavy God's grace is on them. And they like, God, you too good for me to hold this against my brother. You too good for me. Uh, uh, yes, demons can cause doubt. De- demons cause doubt by by sending certain suggestions in your mind. Did God really say? You see what he did with Eve? Did God really say, oh, you're not going to surely die? Did God really say? And will you surely die from this? Will you surely die if you do this with this guy? Would you surely die if you just taste this for a little bit? Would you surely die if you just hold on this for a little while? No, no, no. You don't. You won't die like in physical death, but you will die spiritually and your purpose will be put to death. The devil don't care about whether or not you make it to heaven or not. He just want to make sure that you don't bring heaven on in, in earth, on earth. He, like, you know, those who are sealed by the spirit of God, he's not, he's not that aggressive about your salvation because he can't take that from you. You're sealed by the spirit of God. But what he does do is let's try to keep this person from bringing heaven on earth. You see what I'm saying? I don't care if they get to heaven. I just want to make sure this person don't bring heaven onto earth and, and, and bring uh, the heaven tools and traits on his earth. And, and, and what he does is how can I cause blockages from love to flow, God's love to go flow, God's joy and peace to flow. It's, it's, it's deeper than just I'm bothered by this. It's deeper than just I hate my mom. No, could it be that 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 your hate is really surface level, but you allowed it to be in your mind so deeply that, it, that you made it realer than what you needed to be? He wants us to be strongly held back. From what God has for us. All right. Let's keep going. Signs you're bitter. Here are 13 signs that you are bitter and being kept from better. I got to make sure I drink a lot of water, y'all. All right. Let me make sure I pour some more water. Because it's humid out here and all that good stuff. All right. All right, for time's sake, because I won't be on here too long. got some things I got to do. So I'm going to try to go through these points as thoroughly and as quickly as possible. Signs you're bitter. Whatever I don't get to today, we'll get to um, next week, Okay. Signs you're bitter. 13 signs that you are a bitter person. Give me one second. Let me get this fan real quick. All right. There we go. 13 signs that you are bitter. Signs you're bitter. Number one, you hold grudges. You know you are a bitter person when you constantly hold grudges. If you're holding a grudge from grandma, from grandpa, from from your mama, from your daddy, from all this, if you're still holding grudges, then you are a bitter person. Uh, People who are endeavored to be better don't have time to have a grudge. How can I have a grudge when I'm trying to grind? I got to go get it. I got to get everything that God has for me. Why am I going to hold a grudge from somebody who's 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 not um, my significant savior? 
why am I going to hold that grudge when I got to grind? It's hard to grind when you got grudges because grudges will keep you from your grind. So you know you are a bitter person when you are still holding grudges over what happened uh, uh, days, weeks, months ago. See, when you're when you're focused on getting giving God glory, uh, maximizing your gift, getting to that bag, getting to getting to whatever that you need to get to, you don't have time to hold grudges, yo. You like you know what I got things to I got things to do I gotta become better I can't hold this grudge over what happened I gotta grind number two a sign that you are a bitter person you generalize so just because that man hurt you just because that woman hurt you now you generalizing every man every woman that all men are like this all women are like this you are a bitter person if you generalize not every man is like this not every woman is like what you've been through are you it's crazy how many people swear up and down they know the they know everybody the highest seat in all of 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 life is god's seat and so people be like, you know what? I, will I ever find a good man because all men are like this? Will I ever find a good woman because all? Do you have the highest seat? Can you do you do have you interviewed every single male, every single woman on this planet? Have you been to every square inch of this earth to to interview and see everything? God is the only omniscient one. God is the only omnipresent one. And God just because in your proximity is a bunch of guys. Even in your own city, you haven't been everywhere to be able to make a generalized statement. So, so many people are always, there's no good men. Well, could it be that God is hiding the good men to work on those good men? Or could it be that those good men are too focused to be looking for you? Could it be that all the good women in the world are focused on their businesses, focused on their careers, focused on their life? It's crazy. And, and, and so what happens is, yes, yes, we live in a fallen world. So you have a chance to have a lot of people being uh, godless and ungodly and demonic. Yeah, you got a lot of people like that. But God even told Elisha, I got 5,000 others ain't fell, fell down to bail. And what you have to understand is this. And this is what I have to tell people. Do you not know that God is not obligated to marry everybody? That God is not obligated to promote everybody? Do you not know that God probably has a pool of people that he knows for a fact is yielded to him, that is walking holy with him, that is walking uh, 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 according to the word on behalf of him? Those are the people he look out for. God, listen, man, like I tell you this in marriage all the time. It doesn't matter uh, 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 um, um, how much I love children. When I go through that child pickup line when I have kids, I'm not picking up the whole school. I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick mine. I feel you says, I'd be like, God, can I at least meet him? But God is like, you have, you met me yet. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's what we have to get to is that have I truly met God and have I allowed God to really get access to me? Am I growing from milk to meat? And that's because God knows, God knows, God be laughing at us. God knows good and well that if I bring Ray Ray over, and Ray Ray done got saved. If I bring a, a baby girl over, man, you gonna you gonna you gonna be like Adam, eat the fruit that they hand to you. You, you you're not gonna be able to operate in 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 your dominion because you're gonna be yielding your dominance to this individual versus walking with God in the cool of the day. And God's got y'all, man. You just gotta trust God and know that marriage is serious business to God. 
Bible says marriage is supposed to be held in high honor. When it's not, everything goes kind of crazy with it. And so, and so you understand that, man, it took 32 years for me, 33 years to get married. Do you know how much maturity God had to do? Oh, see, those people, good question. But there's other people who didn't meet God and they have somebody have the wrong body. I want the right body. You know what I'm saying? I don't want the wrong body. So a lot of people, you can settle for anybody, but you have to be, you have to be made for the right body. You see what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is that we get so caught up in comparing our lives with people who are not even walking with God. The world going to do what the world do. The world's going to marry who they want to marry. The world that's the world's going to do what they want to do. But if you want to operate under God's system, if you want to operate under God's way, God does it his way. And so many of us, we look so look so deeply and intriguingly in other people with God. How do we know God? God, God we think God be giving, be marrying everybody. God didn't marry these people. Demons been married these people. The demon at the altar should have known good and well that pastor, that demon that pastor should have known good and well not to put these two together. You see what I'm saying? And so we got to do better and not comparing our lives to what we don't know because you don't know what's going on at home. And that's why you got to get off this phone. I know it's a 5S. I know. You got to get off that phone and say, hey, I'm going to stop comparing my life, my real life to other people's highlights. People don't post their turnovers. People don't post their travel, their, their, their interceptions. People only post their highlights. You see what I'm saying? And so what happens is we start comparing our lives with people and thinking that God did that. And God's looking at you like, baby girl, baby boy, I ain't do that. Most of these matches were not made in heaven. But if you want a match made in heaven, you got you to gotta be, be made. And so I know the frustration when you see them getting married, but I promise you, out of out of the uh, since I was since I was a, a old enough to be aware of life, I've seen a lot of marriages come and go. I saw the people that I even compared my life to; their ministries are not even in existence right now. That's why I don't make comparisons because not everybody has the capacity to operate at a level. That's why um, to whom much is given, much required. It takes longer for those who endeavor to last. You see what I'm saying? And, and so what, I, what I've noticed as I've grown in maturity is that a lot of trends come and go. A lot of marriages come and go. A lot of couples come and go. But you do better in trusting God in that five years. Imagine this. Imagine being single for five years. And I know y'all like, whoa, cool, coach. You talking crazy. I was with you you talking about what if I'm single for five more years. But let's do the, let's just follow me. Imagine being single for five years. And you was pruned, you was prepared. And 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 little Susie, little Susie Sue, your, your best friend back in high school, back in college, got married your year one of singleness, your commitment towards it. She got married year two of your commitment to singleness. But about time you met your man in the fifth year, she's divorced. So imagine those five years, you comparing your life with her, comparing your life with her, that maybe you might not even meet this man at year five because you ain't even prepared. You ain't allow God to prune you. And then you compared your life to something that was going to inevitably fail. See, I got to always trust the one that can see everybody else's failures. Because if we can, if we compare ourselves to people's falsely presented successes, then we'll never be successful. And, and it, it, I tell people, it doesn't matter how long. And you know you're at the right place when your prayers are not asking God how long, but when your heart is saying to God however long. 
You know you are ready for what God has for you. When you no longer have in your heart, look at a watch saying, God, how much longer for this? But your heart is, God, however long, because I'm enjoying you. I'm telling you, that's the place that you need to be for God to promote you to where you desire to be. Because if you don't trust God's timing, then you will extend the time. You see what I'm saying? Or your time will be longer than what needed to be. You'll be like the children of Israel walking around the same mountain for 40 years. Did you not know that that trip between uh, the Red Sea to the Promised Land was 11 days? But imagine uh, 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 11 miles from your house right now, wherever you was endeavoring to go, 11 miles from your house. It took you 40 years to get there. Took you 40 years to get it, but how many people are walking around the same mountain for 11 years, for 40 years, when it could have took you 11 days to get to? And God's like, man, you could have been married right now. You, you could have been had what I have for you right now, but you're walking around the same mountain. So don't get mad at the one that made the mountain. Be mad that you are, are, are walking around that same mountain. Signs you're bitter, you generalize, you hold grudges. Number three, you want to see other people suffer. You know you a bitter person when you can't you can't handle when somebody else get married, somebody else get blessed. You got to be able to say, hey, 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 them being blessed doesn't make less out of me. So I'm not going to stress myself because I'm thinking less of somebody else's being somebody else being blessed. I got to get better. I, I want to see other people succeed. That's the type of heart that you want the Holy Spirit to develop in you. Signs you bitter, you hold grudges, you generalize, you want to see other people suffer and not succeed. Number four, you envy others. You know you bitter when yo, yo, you imagine if God gave you, what's that thing you get at the end of your week? What's it called? Uh, um, how many, how long you've been using apps and stuff? What if God showed you that? That you spent four to five hours thinking about Kelly. You spent seven hours thinking about Jim and God's like, do you know what you're going to use for that seven hours? And then you on their page for four hours a week. If you own somebody's pages more than 20 minutes a week, that's too long. You see what I'm saying? And so many people, they'll be on people's pages for so long that they shorten their own growth. Signs you're bitter. You hold grudges. You generalize. You want to see other people suffer. You envy others. Number four, you just a hater. We'll keep going. Signs you're bitter, you seek attention. It's, I'm telling you, you got to be very careful that you're not so bruised emotionally that you seeking the wrong attention. And what happens is you'll be like, I lose hope in God. I'm not going to live honorably towards God. I'm going to seek the attention of this help. I'm going to seek this attention from this guy to make this other guy who, who bit me who calls me to be bitter. I'm going to try to use this person to make them feel bad and, and, and all this kind of confusion. You see what I'm saying? You're seeking the wrong kind of attention to try to get somebody else's attention. I don't got time to get attention of someone else to try to get someone this attention of someone uh, who didn't help me. I, I got the attention of God. I got the attention of the greatest help of all time, who is God. Signs you bitter. Number seven, you stagnant in life. You know you a bitter person when you when you still in the same place. Uh, better people build. Better people go to better things. Better people grow and mature. Bitter people don't. Bitter people are stagnant people. They're not growing. And you know when you haven't grown. 
You know when you are the same person you was five years ago. I'm endeavoring to not be the same person I was five minutes ago. Every the Holy Spirit is constantly, constantly refurbishing, constantly cleaning, constantly healing. And the more you go with the flow, you begin to see that I'm different than I was five days ago. I'm different than what I was five weeks ago. I'm constantly different than what I was five hours ago because I'm open to the work of God. Signs you're bitter. You hold grudges. You generalize. You want to see others suffer. You envy others. You're just a downright hater. You seek attention. You're stagnant in life. Number eight, you always being up. You're always being up. Oh, you're always. Look what I'm trying to say here. You're always consumed with being. Oh, you always. You always consume with why you're bitter or allude to it. You always talking about why you're bitter and or allude to it. So the conversation they had nothing to do with your bitterness. The conversation they had nothing to do with what you went through. But but you try to you find a way to talk about it because bitter people misery loves company, and that's what happens. Uh, signs you're bitter. Number nine, you hate to see others get your desired promotions, but are not exhibiting habits to get this, that desired promotion. That's crazy. People who are bitter are mad at other people's promotion, but you're not practicing the same type of habits to get that promotion. We're talking about people who get are blessed by God. People can't stand it, but you're not practicing what they're practicing. And so she got a God-fearing marriage, but you're not practicing your singleness to be where she is or he is. Let's keep going. Number 10, signs you're bitter. You dislike hearing the truth about yourself, so you avoid the truth at all costs. You're bitter when you don't want to hear the truth about yourself. You dislike hearing the truth about yourself, so you avoid the truth at all costs. Number 11, you never celebrate others. That's self-explanatory. And number 12, you gossip. Signs you're bitter, you always gossiping or trying to throw dirt on somebody else's name. You try to make somebody else look at that person the way you looked at them. And so you're trying to block their blessing or try to block or destroy their character, destroy their name. Because because of the bitterness in your heart. Number 13, signs that you're a bitter person. You're always negative. You're a negative Nancy. You're a negative Nathan. Always negative. Signs you're bitter. You hold grudges. You generalize. You want to see others suffer. You envy. You're a hater. You seek attention. You're stagnant in life. You always consume with or talk about why you're bitter or allude to it. You hate to see other people get their, your desired promotion, but are not exhibiting the habits to get that desired promotion. You just like hearing the truth about yourself, so you avoid the truth at all costs. You never celebrate others. You gossip, and you always negative. Now, for time, so let's get through this, because coach has to go. How to go from bitter to better. How you so welcome. God gets the glory. I know. God, I tell you, that's why I love spending time with God, because he'll take me deep. He'll take me... Uh, uh, help, man. I don't know how he uh, gave me such great gems about bitterness in the time frame that he gave it to me. I did. I developed this message in probably about 40 minutes and so much revelation, so much truth is in here. But I love God for that. How to go from better to better. I cannot leave you without the answers. I cannot leave you without the answer. How to go from better to better. I spelt the word better. How to go from better to better. B, get to the bottom of it. Get to the bottom, get to the bottom floor of the river of your bitterness, the river of your resentment and get to the bottom of it. Why am I resentful? Why am I bitter? And get to the bottom of it. Allow the Holy Spirit to be a scuba diver partner of you, a scuba diver, diver leader in your life to take you all the way deep 
deep, deep to the bottom floor of that emotion, the bottom floor of that bitterness. Um, it sure do. Bitterness do happen in levels. That's why it begins with a subtle hurt. It goes from a from a uh, from a hurt, and then that hurt then goes into happenstance. Or why did this happen? You get so caught up in why it happened that those emotions rise, and then it goes with what something. What bitterness is the end result of a hurt? Is what I'm trying to say. That you went from a small hurt that could have been dealt with, and you made a mountain out of that molehill. How to go from bitter to better? You got to get to the bottom of it. God, what is the real reason why I'm bitter? Most of us know why we just don't want to deal with it because we want to hold on to it because that bitter situation validates us. And some of us, we find our value in our victim, in our victimhood. Some of us, we find our worth in our victimhood because we are surrounded by a bunch of cheerleaders and a bunch of people that shouldn't be praising you. And you avoid people that really want to, to, to develop you. How to go from bitter to better. You got to get to the bottom of it. Number two, the second B, you got to choose to benefit from the hurt. How to go from bitter to better. You got to benefit from it. The fact that you're alive right now means that you're surviving it, but you're committing suicide with it. It's not most of us are not dying from homicide. We're, we're dying from internal suicide. We're allowing our own bitterness to kill us. We got to be like, how can I at least benefit from this? How can I get a bag from this? How can I get an opportunity from this? How can I get better from this? You got to look for ways to benefit from it. Turn that pain into gain. You see what I'm saying? Turn that bitterness into a bag. Write a book. Write poetry. Write an album. Do something from your healed place instead of being a trying to and be stagnant in your hurt place. How to go from bitter to better? Get to the bottom of it. Second B, choose to benefit from the hurt. Number three, begin reading the next chapter of your life. So many people are on the same sentence, the same pad, uh, paragraph on the same page. It is time for God, for you to allow God to turn the page and then read, read. That's right. During, drinking the poison, thinking it hurts someone else, but you're hurting your own self. You got to say, okay, what's the next chapter? Aren't you tired of reading the same chapter? Aren't you ready to see why God allowed this to happen? Don't, don't you, aren't you ready to read how God is going to uh, use this situation for your good? You see what I'm saying? Let's keep going. How to go from better to better? E, enter and engage God's joy, joy daily to continuously receive strength as you get better. Every day, you have to intentionally engage the presence of God. Like I said in, uh, in Q&A the other day, I said... um. God's presence is everywhere. It's your mind that determines if you engage that presence. See, it's in him that we live, move, and have our being. We can't escape God's presence. It's your focus that determines if you flourish in his presence. It's your mindset that will determine if you will make anything out of that presence. You know what I'm saying? So what I mean by that is every day I have to realize and meditate on the word of God that says the joy of the Lord is my strength. I got to set up systems, whether it's a, a playlist of worship songs that gets me my mind focused. If it's exercise, if it's eating right, I got to do holistic things that will help me to intentionally engage in the presence of God so that I can continuously grow and become better and be strengthened by it as I transition from being bitter to better. How to go from bitter to better, T? You got to be thankful that you survived the initial hurt and allow your thanksgiving to put a stop to the initial hurt's residual hurt. I'm going to say it again because that's powerful. You got to be thankful that you survived the initial hurt. You survived that breakup. You survived that rejection. You survived that abuse. You survived it. And allow your thanksgiving 
to put a stop to the initials hurts, residuals hurts, residual hurts. Now, what does that mean? Hurt has a way of spawning more hurt. So what happened to you at 14 is still hurting you at 24, still hurting you at 34, still hurting you at 44, still hurting you at 54. And one hurt of rejection is now spawning more hurt. But if you are thankful that you survived it, God, whoo, I'm glad I made it through that relationship. And you tap into God to find out why that relationship was toxic from the beginning and why being tenderhearted and being forgiving towards others release you to go forward. You'll be ready to forgive. You'll be like, man, let's get over this. I'm thankful. And the thankfulness would be like, it will keep that, that those residual hurts from welling up in your heart. How to go from better to better. The second T, be led by the Holy Spirit to and through the right therapy channels. Hear me? Because I know there's a lot of hype about therapy now. You got to be led by the Holy Spirit to and through the right therapy channels. Just because therapy is hype and it's dope and it's cool right now, don't just go to any therapist. Your first therapist is the Holy Spirit. When you engage with him, you will be able to be led to the right therapy channels. You'll be led to the right accountability, the right pastoral help, the right therapist, the right counselors. You see what I'm saying? As coach against that, no, I'm against people making gods and idols of them. See what I'm saying? So the Holy Spirit will lead you, can, could lead you to a therapist, but what if you don't have therapy, a therapist in the equation right now? What if he has somebody else, but you get caught up in the hype of therapy that you go to a person who's using new ways and all these different types of things, and you're not really being healed deeply? How to go from better to better, be led by the Holy Spirit to and through the right therapy channels. And second, challenge and change the way you think and talk. You got you to think better and talk better in order to be better. You got to think better, talk better in order to be better. That's self-explanatory. Next, E, eat right and exercise. That's what helps get you get that stuff off. You eat right. I'm going to eat right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exercise to get the tension off. That's how you get better. Because when those endorphins get in you and you begin to really feel better and, and eat better because bitterness has you biting the wrong kind of foods. And, and and being lazy and and or or just continue to be toxic mentally. You gotta eat right. You gotta exercise. There's help in that. Secondly, you gotta develop empathy or an understanding. Why did this person hurt me? How could God be using this situation for my good? You gotta have empathy and realize, man, my dad didn't know what he was doing. Because if he did, he wouldn't have did what he did. My 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 mom didn't know what she was doing. Because if she did, she wouldn't have did what she did. Or even if she knew did and she still did it, it don't got to do what I got to what I got to get done. Just because uh, uh, Ray Ray, I know he was the love of my life, my first love, my first. But but he was he was seventeen. He didn't know he wasn't smart enough. Some of us we be putting too much stock in the actions of others. We put too much stock in people's in, immaturity. We we put too much stock in people thinking they're mature enough to manage you. And then when they mismanage, you get so deeply mad about it. But forget the person, 16. The guy was 24. That's a bunch of 36-year-old guys that's still 16 in the head. That's a bunch of 40, 42-year-old women that's still 14 in the head. So you can't put too much. That's why you got to be led by God to mature people <clears throat> and be matured enough to be able to, to uh, uh, draw mature people. Because most of these people we that we that we emulate, uh, idolize or get caught up in are not mature enough to manage you. 
And so you still hurt off of what that 16-year-old boy did to you? Still hurt by that 24-year-old college football player did to you? Still hurt by what that cheerleader did to you? They was dumb. They was young and dumb. Someone was old and young and mine and dumb. So you got to be able to have empathy and understanding. But, oh, they was just young and dumb. I was young and dumb. Just keep going. How to go from better to better, last but not least, are release. Man, I should have I should have reread these notes. I, I did these notes so quickly, so fast, I ain't even read through them. You got to release that hurt. You got to release those hurts. You got to, oh, I said it right. You got to release those that hurt you, <clears throat> including yourself. You got to release that. You got to write on a sheet of paper, why must I release this? Because you, it's easy to release something when you have something greater to reach for. Purpose people got too much, too much, too much to reach for to still hold on to something. You got to release those that hurt you. They was young. <clears throat> they didn't know no better. If they did, they probably wouldn't have did what they did to you. Some of them have resentment in their own heart for what they did to you. You got to let go and let God. And you got to release yourself also. Some of us are not uh, hurt because of, 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 of uh, wounds that will happen outside of us. Some of us are are hateful and bitter because of self-inflicted wounds. We haven't forgiven ourselves. One of the hardest people to forgive is ourselves because we we, we we put too much pressure on ourselves. <clears throat> you were 16, baby girl. You ain't know no better. Let that go. You was 25. You ain't know no better. You just found God two years ago and you 35. You didn't know no better. Age don't mean nothing. You can be in church all the days of your life and still be spiritually dumb. So you got you can't put that much pressure on yourself. You got to be able to be cool with it, chill with it, and go with the flow of God privately, and and be and, and be realistic about yourself instead of putting too much pressure on yourself. That's why I don't put that much pressure on myself. Because I ain't that dope. I'm only dope because of God. So I don't put unnecessary pressure on myself because I break myself down that way. How to go from better to better, get to the bottom of it, choose to benefit from the hurt, begin reading the next chapter of your life, enter and engage God's joy daily to continue to receive strength as you get better. Be thankful that you survived the initial hurt and allow that thanksgiving to put a stop to the initials hurt and to the initials hurt, residual hurt. Be led by the Holy Spirit to the to and through the right therapy channels. Challenge and change the way you think and talk. Eat right, exercise, develop empathy, and release those that hurt you, including yourselves. I hope and I pray that this hour and five minutes that I spent with you was a blessing. I have an activity for you to be able to process your hurt. It's available now on my website, lifework.teachable.com. It says, utilize the question below to process the root of your bitterness. And I have a, a lot of good questions I want you to take your time through to really process your hurt. <clears throat> and, how, and how can you and process how you can become better from it? <clears throat> um. I got time, maybe one or two questions, maybe two or three questions. I got to go, y'all. Hope y'all are doing exceptionally well. Hope this message was a blessing to you. Go to lifework.teachable.com um, to get, as y'all get y'all's questions together, I'm going to show y'all the resource. This course was sparked from this book. Great. I'll start with you, Nick, Nick Antoine. I'll start with you. The Purpose of Singleness, the book that started this course, this book's available on Amazon. It helps you with, helps you with your singleness. And we'll go deeper in that as we go in, as we go on this course. We'll probably be in this course for about two years. So that's why y'all was like, "Why we haven't got to the book yet? We might be in this thing for a year and a half, two years, maybe a year. You never know." Book on spiritual warfare, World War Me, <clears throat> How to Win the War Within. This book's also available for free for PDF. 
um, copy uh, on my website, imunplugged.com forward slash workshop. I see people already signed up for the course already. Two people just signed up just now. That's cool. Uh, let's get let's get signed up. That's cool. A book on soul ties and strongholds. The book I have is called The Purpose of Freedom. It'll help you with understanding soul ties and strongholds. I got a book also for those who endeavor to date themselves and the love of their life forever. It's called Dating Prep that goes with my card game. Dating Prep created this card game about a year and a half ago. It's questions for, for you if those who want to date themselves and their significant others. I got three levels. The first levels of questions, the cloud phase. That's when y'all just met. Uh, cement phases when the relationship is getting real, y'all out, y'all, y'all done came down from cloud nine. It's real, real. The corporation question, a question for you to ask as you build your marriage or y'all about to build a marriage, like some question in the cement. Uh, uh, a cement question is, do I cause you to stumble in any bad habits? That's a good question when y'all getting real about the relationship. Do I cause you to stumble into any bad habits? Another cement question is, what are some new habits we can implement into our relationship to keep us growing our faith? A corporation question is how often would you like to do things on your own and with me? That's a good corporation question because some people get married thinking that person will always want to do stuff with you. Well, that's not realistic. <clears throat> so how often would you like to do things on your own or with me? A cloud question could be like this cloud question right here. It says, you can't see it. It says, how do you regularly use your time or how do you handle your sadness? Great question. There's also a double date question called a do you remember? What is my favorite ice cream? It's a fun way to do a double dating kind of back and forth. Couples who want to hold each other accountable. Y'all can play it where the girls are on the team, a couple couples against couples. And uh, what you do is you get you take uh, questions from the bottom and the, the girl, the ladies, you write the answer to those questions on a sheet of paper and you hand it to the opposite sex person of the couple, the opposite couple, the opposite sex. And they have your answers while your boo don't have the answers. And you'll ask your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or girlfriend, what is my favorite ice cream? And the other team's person got the answers. And if they say chocolate and when it's really chocolate uh, cream fills, I'm not chocolate cream, but cookie dough. Then your team don't get a point, and that's that couple gets a point. So that's another fun way. The third way to play is with a counselor or a pastor. They'll pull five, they'll pull five or ten cards with questions they, they think y'all should answer, and they'll help, they'll help uh guide you through the answer to those questions. But the book is a fun way. If you're a single person, you'll be able to uh uh write down the answers of what you want out of your life. And if you're dating somebody, you'll be able to say, okay, let's do this book together. So you got a book, he got a book, she got a book, and y'all journaling the answers together. And y'all have real honest questions, like, like starting with this one. It says, as a family, what systems will we implement and follow to ensure we continue to build our love? That's a corporation question. As a family, what system will we implement to build our individual connected relationships with God? This question is important for all relationships to engage in abroad because no one has mastered love because love is so vast. A family that is intentional about building their love will stay in love. So many people stop pursuing their significant other the day after their wedding or the day after they made the relationship official. In a relationship that fails to plan, plans to fail. Systems sustain. Every successful company individual are not successful in action. They are successful on purpose. And the question is, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? So not only do you write your answers in your book and their answers in their book, y'all write each other's answers. And hopefully this, these resources will help you see if this person's for you or not for you, et cetera, et cetera. The first book that I wrote, Unplugs, Top Things You Need to Unplug From, wrote this book in 2008, 2009. 
And my children's book, as he says, asians for the students I serve, asians are just wise sayings from Mr. Ezzy. And the whole purpose of this book is to help kids find their art form. And here is, and y'all gonna be seeing this pretty soon. I don't know how soon, maybe a couple of years, whatever. But these are the cartoon characters of our mentoring program. Each of these characters have a significance. That's me right there, Mr. Ezzy. That's my wife, Miss Ezzy, Miss E. That's Mr. Moe. He worked with me at, at, uh, at the school I worked at. That's the principal of our school, Miss Marshall. And each of these kids represents, including the dog, represents, um, I put you on game, represents the nine gifts of the spirit because I believe that every kid has a gift, spiritual gift and physical gift. But the book goes into in-depth on helping kids find an art form. So you got the purpose of singleness, World War Me, the purpose of freedom, uh, dating prep, unplugged, and my other book, uh, as he says, and my uh, card game, Memory Muscle, a fun way to memorize scriptures. So all those resources on my website, you can get those. Now that's ways you can support me. There's many ways you can support me. You can support me through uh, what I do here and whatever God leads you or how he leads you to support what we do. Uh, through books, through card games, through uh, our mentoring program. Oh man, <clears throat> we had we have fifty one kids signed up for our mentor program. Forty four of them showed up yesterday, and uh, most of the kids forgot. But we have fifty one and counting kids. We need your help. We need we need money to feed these kids. We got we 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 got a budget, but we gonna need a lot of help. We want to go on a well, uh, Lord willing, go on a field trip. Um, because our schools are counseling field trips right now. <laughs> we want to get them shirts. We want to be able to get them uh, good food every. Because some of the kids we serve, the only meals they eat is the meals they eat in school. So we want to feed them catered food. Sometimes we want to be able to be a blessing to them while we feed them spiritually, mentally, emotionally. We also want to feed them good physically, and we want to we want to push this program into other schools and to really turn this cartoons into television programs and a YouTube series or whatever. And really take this to the next level. So we need your help. If you want to help that, you can give towards that. Or you just give to what I do here uh, with my channel. With that, all, with that all being said, let's get to some questions. Real quickly, Nick Antoine says, how do I avoid being prideful or interpreting the text my the text my way and missing out on what God is speaking to me? I want to be able to recognize God's voice because I don't want to live in disobedience and not know it. Great question, Nick Antoine. Um. First off, we were born into this world system proud, proud. We we are full of pride. And pruning is God's way of pruning back the pride. If he can prune back the pride, he can he can really reside. You see what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit can truly reside in a in a in an effective state instead of just being constantly working through stuff that your arrogance and pride is keeping the or hindering the flow of the Holy Spirit from actually producing the right kind of fruit. So what you do is you got to get you a good study Bible that really makes the word of God uh, 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 clear and is, uh, is uh, uh, clear on apologetics, is clear on exegetical uh, ability, that's clear to let you know about what the text is really saying. Um, because sometimes we could just hear a person what a person say about a text or read the text how we want to say it. And sometimes we read it, the word of God through somebody else's lens and through our own lens instead of through the Holy Spirit's lens. So what you have to do is you have to simply say, OK, Holy Spirit, I know nothing. And so what I do with my Bible is I go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, read this to me. Sometimes when you read without without that humility, you read in arrogance. And you may not you may not be an arrogant person. You just don't know how you don't know the level of arrogance or the level of arrogance you may be walking in. But he, a humble person, I'm just putting you on game for those who may have not known. But the best way to do is say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what's going on. 
And I need you to supernaturally reveal your will to me. I want you to supernaturally reveal what the word of God is saying to me so I don't miss out on anything. Man, a revel man, you listen, you don't get this. You don't get this in your own intellect. You get all these points from the Holy Spirit. I just write down what he wants me to say. You see what I'm saying? I just write down what he wants me to say. Let me make sure I, okay, I don't want to delete this. I just write down what he wants me to say. And when you build a relationship with the Holy Spirit like that, you'll release that pride and let him reside and help you uh, 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 journey down this ride, this life better. I want to be able to recognize God's voice because I don't want to live in disobedience and not know it. First off, your question lets me know that your heart is humble and your heart is ready to go to that next level. So embrace that the Holy Spirit has gotten to a place that your heart recognizes that. Now, after you embrace that, now the next race is, now the next goal is, is to grow from that embrace, to grow from that revelation, and then to really actually be proactive in and taking responsibility and, and, and understanding what the word of God says and applying it. Because the more you apply the word, the more you see the fruit of the word, which would then inspire you to apply even more of the word. That's why the devil doesn't want you to apply the word of God, because if you taste and see that the word is actually uh, 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 fruitful and able to sustain you, you'll, you'll practice more of it because of the fruit that it bears. Not 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 like carnally, but but like Christ likably. You see what I'm saying? You're like, man, I feel better. I'm doing better. And, and you want to bear more fruit. Great question. Coach, how do you distinguish God's voice? Um, the Bible says the, uh, the voice of the, my people, my children know my voice. As strange, they will not fall. Um, when you walk with God in a childlike state and you come to him like children, Children are dependent on their parents. The more you depend on God, the more you see your need to depend on God, the more distinguished his voice becomes. Because when you don't depend on, when the, depend on God, you become distracted by other people's voices and you you start building a tent in the midst of everybody's influence. But if you depend on God, then, then you are slow to entertain people's influence. You're slow to entertain the other voices because you depend on God. Now, how does one depend themselves or, or humble themselves to God? Number one, you got to determine that you know nothing. You got to determine that you live in a fallen world that everybody's opinions do not matter. Next, you got to be able to say, you know what? I know for a fact that my energy supply is in God, that I'm going to put number three, I got to put my trust in him because I know that energy flows when I depend my life on him and I distinguish or determine that I cannot get anything or any help from anyone else because everybody else is limited. And, and when you begin to really process um, your need for God and, 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 and what comes with that, the more distinguished God's leading will be. Because many of us, we get so caught up on the voice, the audible voice of God. But God speaks through things, speaks through people. He's speaking right now. He's, he's speaking through the anything you look at. If you look at it hard enough, God can speak through it. The Holy Spirit will look at that. And it will show you the ant and be like, you see what that ant's doing? You need to get off your behind and get to work. He'll let that little ant come through your windowsill. You don't even, you sprayed all over the place. And the Holy Spirit let that ant come crawling over your wall and say, look over that ant. And God will speak through that ant. That's why I, I take time as I go throughout my life looking at nature. Because most of the time we look at man-made things versus God-made things. So we look at billboards, we look at buildings, we look at uh, 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 television. So we look at things people made and then we get caught up in that. But when you take the time to look at a tree, look at leaves, look at animals, 
Man, you start thinking, you begin to see the intelligence of God. And when you begin to see the intelligence of God, you'll be open to hear uh, um, the word of God, the voice of God as he speaks uh, uh, variously through other things. Uh, and so that, I hope that helped. West Coast Cali, forgive yourself not uh, forgive yourself for not knowing. Oh, y'all talking about my, my angel. Okay. Is it shacking up if you and the guy have a child together? Yeah. Yeah, that man should be in another place while helping you pay to make sure you and your child are good. Um, it is shacking up. If that ain't your husband, that you shacking up. It's that simple because that man is not a husband. He's just the man that made a baby with you. See, see, see. There's a difference between being a sperm donor and and, and being a and a, a home earner, a home builder. You see what I'm saying? It's a big difference. And so what you have to do is, uh, because God, no matter how crazy it sounds, God will, God will sustain obedience. So what I would do is I would have a conversation with him and say, look, I'm going to go stay with mama and them. I'm going to stay with daddy and them. Or honestly, a real man would be like, no, I'm going to go stay with my mom. I'm going to go stay with my dad. I'm going to go stay with my friend and you stay at the house and I'm going to help support y'all. That's what a real man does. A man that puts a baby in you and it's not your husband is going to do one or two things. He's either going to become your husband or he's going to be like, you know what? We might not be right for each other, but I'm going to take care of my child and you because I was the one. It, it, men, men should always take full responsibility for their actions because even if a woman is pressuring you by her being a weaker vessel, you know, hear me now, I'm not, when I say weaker vessel, we're not talking about whatever we're talking about, but because sometimes when things are emotional, the man's supposed to be able to say, no, we can't do this. Uh, uh, and if a man is not able to, first off, a, a real man is not going to put himself in situations where he'll know he'll fall. And a real man will not put himself in a situation where he'll where he'll uh, disobey God. And if he accidentally gets there, he repents, recuperates, regroups, rebounds, and never goes back to that again. So a man is going to be like, you know what? In these environments, I'm weak. And if I'm weak in this environment, the leader, she's going to be weak. And if we continue to be weakened by each other, then we'll never uh, 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 maximize who we are. And so that man should be able to say, you know what, if that man is not on that spiritual level, then you got to be, you got to trust God because that man may not be fit enough to, because a man, if a man is shacking up with you and a man's living with you, then he don't have honor for God. And what we say about lack of honor, lack of honor leads to loss of hope, loss of hope leads to looking for another source of help and all invite and, and, and all the way down. So what I would do is I would start looking, asking God, where can I stay? And you know where you can stay. And I know it's humbling. You know what I'm saying? Or if that man's not wise enough or whatever, then you got to have an honest conversation. This is what you do. Go to the Holy Spirit right now. Say, Holy Spirit, what should I do? No, not what should I do. How should I do this? <laughs> no, not what should I do. You know what to do. But how do I do this? And the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom and then have an honest conversation with that gentleman. And say, you know what? This ain't right. If we're going to make this work, if we're going to get married or whatever, if that's the goal, uh, we got to do it God's way because marriage was made by God. We can do marriage all the day, all we want, but if we do it without God, we'll mismanage it and this marriage will break us. See, people don't break marriage. Marriage breaks people. Marriage is so heavy. Marriage is so such a standard that when two immature people try to get married, it breaks them because it's too heavy for them to bear. And that's what you do. But but don't, it is shacking up. Even if you got a child together, no, no child no matter how beautiful they are, is a reason for you to do disobey God. It doesn't matter what you get out of a situation, still obey God, no matter how difficult it may be, no matter how humbling or humiliated you may feel, know that God will sustain you and keep you.
But if that man is not spiritually mature enough to do that for you, then you got to do what you got to do to make sure you obey God. As far as me and my child, we're going to do what the Lord say. And if he don't get on, the, if he don't get on, if he don't get on with the program, then um, then he's not meant to be yours. Hope to help. Got to go, guys. Got to go. Love you. Y'all be blessed. I pray this uh, message was a blessing to you. I hope, I hope it gave you wisdom, insight, revelation. And I pray um, um, that it helps you go from better to better. And um, I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. All the books are on my website. Card games on my website. I am unplugged.com. I write it down there for you. Uh, let's see here. I am unplugged. Dot com for all your resources, tools, all that good stuff. Uh, it in hyperlink. Okay, let me see. Let me make sure I hyperlink it so it'd be easy for y'all. And uh, I pray it's a blessing. I pray the books, the card games. Um, I'll be releasing the video of my mentoring program week one. Um, soon I might post it after this, uh, so you guys can see. Uh, what we do with our program. I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. See y'all next time. Thank that's it, Holy Spirit. We good? We good? I'll see you next time. Peace.